This episode is sponsored by Audible. Audible is a leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, and they have over 100,000 titles available for download. Visit audibletrial.com slash thescaldcircle to begin your trial and download your free audiobook today. It's time to relax, grab a drink, pull up a chair by the hearth, and have a seat in the Scald Circle to listen to chapters 35 through 43 of the Volsanga Saga, as told by Casimir. Before we begin our story, we wanted to remind you that we release new stories for free every week. Our shorter tales release on Wednesdays, and our longer chapter stories release every other Saturday. Find out where you can hear them on our website at thescaldcircle.com. And be certain to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. That way, you'll never miss out on one of our enchanting tales from around the world. In addition to our reminder, we have some exciting news for the month of July. You've likely noticed that our format sounds a little bit different. Not only that, but you may have heard, in addition to our story releases on Wednesdays, we will also now be releasing longer chapter-length stories every other Saturday. As if that isn't exciting enough, starting on July 9th, we will begin hosting Fireside Stories with the Skull Circle at 7pm Central Time every other Thursday. Our Fireside Stories will be a live stream of my Nogan and I regaling you with stories you may have never heard before, along with some of our very own witty banter. So, if you want to experience what a live show from the Skald Circle is like, that may be of interest to you. You can find more details under the events section on our website. Chapter 35. The Dreams of the Wise of the Gukings. So when men had drunk their fill, they fared to sleep. Then falls Kaspera to beholding the runes, and spelling over the letters, and sees that beneath were other things cut, and that the runes are guileful. Yet because of her wisdom, she had skill to read them aright. So then she goes to bed by her husband, but when they awoke, she spake unto Hogne. Thou art minded to wend away from home, ill-counseled is that. Abide till another time, scarce a keen reader of ruins art thou, if thou deemest thou hast beheld in them the bidding of thy sister to this journey. Lo, I read the ruins, and had marvel of so wise a woman as Gudrun is, that she should have miscut them, but that which lieth underneath beareth your bane with it. Yea, either she lacked a letter, or others have dealt guilefully with the runes. And now hearken to my dream, for therein methought there fell in upon us, here a river exceeding strong, and break up the timbers of the hall. He answered, Full oft are ye evil of mind, ye woman. But for me I was not made in such wise as to meet men with evil who deserve no evil. Belike he will give us a good welcome. She answered, Well, the thing must ye yourselves prove, but no friendship follows this bidding. But yet again I dreamed that another river fell in here with a great and grimly rush, and tore up the dais of the hall and brake the legs of both you brethren. Surely that betokeneth somewhat. He answers, Meadows along our way, whereas thou didst dream of the river. For when we go through the meadows, plentifully doth the seeds of the hay hang about our legs. Again I dreamed, says she, that thy cloak was afire and the flame blazed up above the hall. Says he, 
Well, I wot what that shall be token. Here lieth my fair dyed raiment, and it shall burn and blaze, whereas thou dreamest of the cloak. Methought a bear came in, says she, and brake up the king's high seat, and shook his paws in such a wise that we were all adread thereat, and he got us all together into the mouth of him, so that we might avail us not, and thereof fell great horror on us. He answered, Some great storm will befall, whereas thou hadst a white bear in thy mind. And Ernie methought came in, says she, and swept adown the hall, and drenched me and all of us with blood. And ill shall that betoken, for methought it was the double of King Otley. He answered, Full off do we slaughter beasts freely, and smite down great need for our cheer. And the dream of the Erna has but to do with the oxen. Yea, Otley's heart whole towards us. And therewithal they cease this talk. Chapter 36 Of the Journey of the Gukings to King Otley Now tells the tale of Gunnar, that in the same wise it fared with him, for when they awoke, Glamvor, his wife, told him many dreams which seemed to her like to betoken guile coming. But Gunnar readed them all in other wise. This was one of them, said she. Methought a bloody sword was borne into the hall here, wherewith thou wert thrust through, and at either end of that sword wolves howled. The king answered, Cur dog shall bite me belike, blood-stained weapons off betoken dog snapping. She said, Yet again I dreamed that women came in heavy and drooping and chose thee for their mate. May happen these would be thy fateful women. He answered, Hard to read this, and none may set aside the fateful measure of his days, nor is it alike that my time is short. So in the morning they arose, and were minded for the journey, but some letted them herein. Then cried Gunnar to the man who is called Fjornir, Arise, and give us to drink goodly wine from great tons, because mayhappen this shall be the very last of all our feasts, for belike if we die the old wolf shall come by the gold and that bear shall nowise spare the bite of his war-tusks. Then all the folk of his household brought them on their way weeping. The son of Hogni said, Fare ye well with merry tide. And the more part of their folk were left behind. Solar and Snevar, the sons of Hogni, fared with them, and a certain great champion named Orkning, who was the brother of Kosbera. So the folk followed them down to the ships, and all ledded them of their journey, but attained to naught therein. Then spake Lomvor, and said, O Vingi, most like that great ill hap will come of thy coming, and mighty an evil thing shall betide in thy travelling. He answered, Hearken to my answer, that I lie not aught, and may the high gallows and all things of Graham have me, if I lie one word. Then cried Cosbera, Fare ye well, with merry days. And Hogni answered, Be glad of heart, howsoever it may fare with us. And therewith they parted, each to their own fate. Then away they rode so hard and fast that well nigh the half the keel slipped away from the ship, and so hard they laid unto the oars that thole and gunwale break. And when they came aland, they made their ship fast. Then they rode a while on their noble steeds through the murk wild wood. And now they behold the king's army, and huge uproar and the clatter of weapons they hear from thence, and they see there a mighty host of men, 
and the manifold array of them, even as they wrought there, and all the gates of the burg were full of men. So they rode up to the burg, and the gates thereof were shut. Then Hogni brake open the gates, and therewith they ride into the burg. Then spake Vingi, Well might ye have left this deed undone. Go to now, bid thee here while I go seek your gallows tree. Softly and sweetly I bade you hither, but an evil thing abode thereunder, short while to bide ere ye are tied up to that same tree. Hogni answered, None the more shall we waver for that cause, for little methinks have we shrunk back when as men fell to fight, and naught shall it avail thee to make us afeard, and for an ill fate hast thou wrought. And therewith they cast him down to the earth, and smote him with their axe hammers till he died. Chapter 37 The Battle in the Burg of King Otley Then they rode unto the king's hall, and King Otley arrayed his host for battle, and the ranks were so set forth that a certain wall there was betwixt them and the brethren. Welcome hither, said he. Deliver unto me that plenteous gold which is mine of right, even the wealth which Sigurd once owned, and which is now Gudrun's of right. Gunnar answered, Never gettest thou that wealth, and the men of might must thou meet here, or ever we lay by life if thou wilt deal with us in battle. Ah, belike thou settest forth this feast like a great man, and wouldst not hold thine hand from the Aaron and wolf. Long ago I had it in my mind, said Hotly, to take the lives of you, and be lord of the gold, and reward you for that deed of shame, wherein you beguiled the best of all your affinity. But now I shall revenge him. Hogni answered, Little will it avail to lie long brooding over that reed, leaving the work undone. And therewith they fell to hard fighting, at the first brunt with shot, and therewithal came the tidings to Gudrun, and when she heard thereof she grew exceeding wroth, and cast her mantle from her, and ran out and greeted those newcomers, and kissed her brethren, and showed them all love. And the last of all greetings was that betwixt them. Then said she, I thought I had set forth counsels whereby you should not come hither, but none may deal with his sharpened fate. And withal she said, Will it avail aught to seek for peace? But stoutly and grimly they said nay thereto. So she sees that the game goeth sorely against her brethren, and she goes to gather her great stoutness of heart, and does on her a mail coat, and takes to her a sword, and fights by her brethren, and goes as far forward as the bravest of manfolk, and all spoke in one wise that never saw any fairer defense than in her. Now the men fell thick and far before all, others with the fighting of those brethren, and the battle endured a long while unto midday. Gunnar and Hogni went right through the folk of Otley, and so tells the tale that all the mead ran red with blood, and the sons of Hogni withal set on stoutly. Then spake Otley the king, A fair host and a great have we, and mighty champions withal, and yet many of us fallen. And but evil am I appaid in that nineteen of my champions are slain, but six are left alive. And therewithal there was a lull in the battle. Then spake Otley the king, Four brethren were we, and now I am left alone. Great affinity I got to me, and deemed fortune well sped thereby. A wife I had, fair and wise, high of mind and great of heart. But no joyance may I have of her wisdom, for little peace is betwixt us. But ye, ye have slain many of my kin, and beguiled me of realm and riches, 
and for the greatest of all woes have slain my sister withal. Quoth Hogni, Why babblest thou thus? Thou wert the first to break the peace. Thou didst take my kinswoman and pine her to death by hunger, and didst murder her and take her wealth, an ugly deed for a king. Meet for mocking and laughter, I deem it, that thou must needs make long tale of thy woes. Rather I give thanks to the gods that thou fallest into ill. Chapter 38 Of the Slaying of the Gukings Now King Otley eggs on his folk to set on fiercely, and eagerly they fight. But the Gukings fell on so hard that King Otley gave back into the hall, and within doors was the fight, and fierce beyond all fights. That battle was the death of many a man, but such was the ending thereof, that there fell all the folk of those brethren, and they twain alone stood up on their feet, and yet many more must fare to hell first before their weapons. And now they fell on Gunnar the king, and because of the host of men that set on him was hand laid on him, and he was cast into fetters, afterwards fought Hogni with the stoutest of heart and the greatest of manlyhood and he felled to the earth twenty of the stoutest of the champions of King Otley, and many he thrust into the fire that burned amidst the hall. All were of one accord that such a man might scarce be seen, yet in the end he was borne down by many and taken. Then said King Otley, A marvelous thing how many men have gone their ways before him. Cut the heart from out of him, and let that be his bane. Hogni said, do according to thy will, and merrily will I abide whatso thou wilt do against me. And thou shalt see that my heart is not a drad, for hard matters have I made trial of ere now, and all things that may try a man will I fain to bear. Whilst yet I was unhurt, but now sorely am I hurt, and thou alone henceforth will bear the mastery in our dealings together. Then spake a counsellor of King Otney. Better read I see thereto. Take we the thrall Hjali, and give respite to Hogni, for this thrall is made to die, since the longer he lives, the less worth shall he be. The thrall hearkened, and cried out aloft, and fled away any whither, where he might hope for shelter, crying out that a hard portion of his was because of their strife and wild doings, and an ill day for him whereon he must be dragged to death from his sweet life and his swine-keeping. But they caught him, and turned a knife against him, and he yelled and screamed, or ever he felt the point thereof. Then in such wise spake Hogni as a man seldom speaketh who is fallen into the hard need, for he prayed for the thrall's life, and said that those shrieks he could not away with, and that it were a lesser matter to him to play out the play to his end, and therewithal the thrall gat his life, as for that time. But Gunnar and Hogni are both laid in fetters. Then spake King Otley with Gunnar the king, and bade him tell out concerning the gold and where it was, if he would have his life. But he answered, Nay, first will I behold the bloody heart of Hogni my brother. So now they caught hold of the thrall again, and cut the heart from out of him, and bore it unto King Gunnar. But he said, The faint heart of Hjali may be here, behold, little like the heart of proud Hogni, or is it much as it trembleth now? More by half of it trembled when as it lay in the breast of him. So now they fell on Hogni, even as Otley urged them, and cut the heart from out of him. But such was the might of his manhood, that he laughed while he bowed that torment, and all wondered at his worth, and in perpetual memory it is held thence. Then they showed it to Gunnar, and he said, The mighty heart of Hogni, little like the faint heart of Yali, 
For little as it trembleth now, less it trembleth when it was in his breast. But now, O Otley, even as we die, so shalt thou die. And lo, I alone wot where the gold is, nor shall Hogney be to tell thereof now. To and fro played the matter in my mind whiles we both lived. But now I myself determine for myself, and the Rhine River shall rule over the gold, rather than that the Hun shall bear it on the hands of them. Then said King Otley, Have away the bondsmen. And so they did. But Gunrin called to her men, and came to Otley, and said, May it fare ill with thee now, and from henceforth, even as thou hast ill held to thy word with me. So Gunnar was cast into the worm clothes, and many worms abode him there, and his hands were fast bound. But Gudrun sent him a harp, and in such wise did he set forth his craft, that wisely he smote the harp, smiting it with his toes, and so excellently well he played that few deemed they had heard such playing, even when the hand had done it. And with such might and power he played that all the worms fell asleep in the end, save one adder only, great and evil of aspect, that it crept onto him and thrust its sting into him until it smote his heart. And in such wise, with a great hardihood, he ended his life days. While we were between chapters, we mentioned earlier that this episode is sponsored by Audible. I personally cannot recommend Audible enough. Being able to download titles and listen offline anytime and anywhere is extremely convenient. Recently, I've been listening to Lines of Departure by Marco Close, and it's a real treat. It's also just one of thousands of audiobooks that are available through Audible. If you have any favorite Audible titles, send us a message. We're always looking for new stories to listen to. If you're not already an Audible member, you can visit audibletrial.com slash thescaldcircle to begin your trial and download your free audiobook today. If you sign up and you're not certain what to download right away, don't worry about it. Your credits last for a year, so Audible never makes you feel rushed. Chapter 39 The End of Otley and His Kin and Folk Now thought Otley the king he had gained a mighty victory, and spake to Gudrun even as mocking her greatly, or as making himself great before her. Gudrun, saith he, Thus hast thou lost thy brethren, and thy very self hast brought it about. She answers, In good liking livest thou, whereas thou trustest these slangs before me, but may happen thou wilt rue it, when thou hast tried what is to come hereafter. And of all I have, the longest live matter shall be the memory of thy cruel heart, nor shall it go well with thee whilst I live. He answered and said, Let there be peace betwixt us. I will atone for thy brethren with gold and dear-bought things, even as thy heart may wish. She answers, Hard for a long while have I been in our dealings together, and now I say that while Hogni was yet alive, thou mightest have brought it to pass, but now mayest thou never atone for my brethren in my heart. Yet oft must we women be overborne by the might of you men, and now are all my kindred dead and gone, and thou alone art left to rule over me. Wherefore now... This is my counsel, that we make a great feast, whereon I will hold a funeral for my brother and thy kindred withal. In such wise did she make herself soft and kind in words, though far other things forsooth lay thereunder. But he hearkened to her gladly, and trusted in her words, when as she made herself sweet of speech. So Gudrun held the funeral feast for her brethren, and King Otley for his men. And exceeding proud and great was this feast. But Gudrun forgot not her woe but brooded over it, how she might work some great shame against the king, and at nightfall, 
she took to her the sons of King Hotly, and her as they played about the floor, the younglings waxed heavy of cheer, and asked what she might of them. Ask me not, said she, ye shall die the twain of you. Then they answered, Thou mayest do with thy children even as thou wilt, nor shall any hinder thee, but shame there is to thee in doing this deed. Yet for all of that she cut the throats of them. Then the king asked where his sons were, and Gudrun answered, I will tell thee and gladden thine heart by the telling. Lo now, thou didst make a great woe spring up for me in the slaying of my brethren. Now hearken and hear my reed and my deed. Thou hast lost thy sons, and their heads are become breakers on the board here. And thou thyself hast drunken the blood of them blended with the wine. And their hearts I took and roasted them in the spit, and thou hast eaten them thereof. King Otley answered, Grim art thou, in that thou hast murdered thy sons, and given me their flesh to eat, and little space passes betwixt ill deed of thine and ill deed. Gudrun said, My heart is set on the doing to thee as great shame as may be. Never shall the measure of ill be full to such a king as thou art. The king answered, Worser deeds hast thou done than men have to tell of, and great unwisdom is there in such fearful reeds. Most meet art thou to be burned on bale, when thou hast first been smitten to death with stones. For in such wise wouldst thou have what thou hast gone a weary way to seek. She answered, Thine own death thou foretellest, but another death is fated for me. And many other words they spake in their wrath. Now Hogni had a son left alive, hight Niblung, and great wrath of heart he bare against King Otley. And he did Gunrun to wit, that he would avenge his father. And she took his words well, and they fell to counsel together thereover, and she said it would be great good hap if it might be brought about. So on a night, when the king had drunken, he gat him to bed, and when he was laid asleep, thither to him came Gudrun and the son of Hogni. Gudrun took a sword and thrust it through the breast of King Hotly, and they, both of them, set their hands to the deed, both she and the son of Hogni. Then Otley the king awoke with a wound and cried out, No need of binding or salving here. Who art thou who has done the deed? Gudrun says, Somewhat have I. Gudrun wrought therein, and somewhat with all the son of Hogni. Otley said, Ill it beseemed to thee to do this, though somewhat of wrong was between us, for thou wert wedded to me by the reed of thy kin, and thou were paid for thee. Yea, thirty goodly knights and seemly maidens, and many men besides, and thou wert not content. If thou should rule over the lands of King Budley owned, and thy mother-in-law, full oft, thou lettest sit a-weeping. Gudrun said, Many false words hast thou spoken, and of naught I account for them. Oft indeed was I fell of mood, but much didst thou add thereto. Full oft in thy house did phrase befall, and kin fought kin, and friend fought friend, and made themselves big one against the other. Better days had I when I abode with Sigurd, when we slew kings and took their wealth to us, but gave peace to whomso would, and the great men laid themselves under our hands, and might we gave to him of them who would have it. Then I lost him, and little thing was it that I should bear a widow's name, but the greatest of griefs that I should come to thee, I who had aforetime the noblest of all kings, well for thee, thou never bearest out a battle, aught but the worser lot. King Otley answered, Not true are thy words, nor will this our speech better the lot of either of us. 
for all is fallen out to naught. But now do I to me in seemly wise an array of my dead corpse in noble fashion. Yea, that I will, says she, and let make for thee a goodly grave, and build for thee a worthy abiding place of stone, and wrap thee in fair linen, and care for all that is needful. So therewithal he died, and she did according to her word, and then they cast fire into the hall. And when the folk and men of estate awoke amid that dread and trouble, not would they abide the fire, but smote each other down, and died at such wise. So there Otley the king and all his folk ended their life days, but Gudrun had no will to live longer after this deed so wrought, but nevertheless her ending day was not yet to come upon her. Now the Volsungs and the Gukings, as folk tell the tale, have been the greatest hearted and the mightiest of all men, as ye may well behold written in the songs of old time. But now with the tidings just told were these troubles stayed. Chapter 40 How Gudrun cast herself into the sea but was brought ashore again. Gudrun had a daughter by Sigurd Heitzvanhild. She was the fairest of all women, eager-eyed as her father, so that few durst look under the brows of her. And as far did she excel other womankind as the sun excels the other lights of heaven. But on a day when Gudrun went down to the sea and caught up stones in her arms and went out to the sea, for she had will to end her life, but mighty billows drave her forth along the sea, but by means of their upholding was she borne along till she came at last to the burg of King Yonaker, a mighty king and lord of many folk. And he took Gudrun to wife, and their children were Hamdir, Sorli, and Erp. And there was Svanhild nourished withal. Chapter 41 Of the Wedding and Slaying of Svanhild Jormanrek was the name of a mighty king of those days, and his son was called Ranvir. Now this king called his son to talk with him, and said, Thou shalt fare on an errand of mine to King Yonaker, with my counselor Bicky, for with King Yonaker is nourished Svanhild, the daughter of Sigurd Fafnirsbane, and I know for sure that she is the fairest maid dwelling under the sun of this world. Her above all others would I have to my wife, and thou shalt go woo her for me. Ranvir answered, Meet and write, fair lord, that I should go on thine errands. So the king set forth this journey in seemly wise, and they fared till they came to King Yonaker's abode, and beheld Swanhild, and had many thoughts concerning the treasure of her goodliness. But on a day Ranvir called the king to talk with him, and said, Jormanrek the king, would fain be thy brother-in-law, for he has heard tell of Svanhild, and his desire is to have her to wife. Nor may it be shown that she may be given to any mightier king than he is one. The king says, This is an alliance of great honor, for a man of fame is he. Gudrun says, A wavering trust, the trust in luck, that it change not. Yet because of the king's furtherings, in all the matters that went herewith, is the wooing accomplished, and Svanhild went to the ship with a goodly company, and sat in the stern besides the king's son. Then spake Bicky de Ranver, How good and right it were, if thou thyself had to wife so lovely a woman, rather than the old man there. Good seemed that word to the heart of the king's son, and he spake to her with sweet words, and she to him in the likewise. So there came a land, and go unto king, and Bicky said unto him, It and right it is, lord, that thou shouldst know what is befallen, though hard it be to tell of, for tale may be concerning thy beguiling, when as thy son has gotten to him the full love of Swanhild, nor she other than his harlot, but thou let not the deed be unavenged. Now many an ill read 
had he given the king or this. But of all his ill reeds did this sting home the most, and still would the king hearken to his evil reeds. Wherefore he, who might nowise still wrath within him, cried out that Ronver should be taken and tied up to the gallows tree. And as he led to the gallows, he took his hawk and plucked the feathers from off it, and bade show it to his father. And when the king saw it, he said, Now may folk behold, that he deemeth my honor to go away from me, even as the feathers from his hawk. And therewith he bade deliver him to the gallows. But in that while had Bicky wrought his will, and Ronver was dead slain. And moreover, Bicky spake, Against none hast thou more wrongs to avenge thee of than against Svanhild. Let her die a shameful death. Yea, said the king, we will do after thy counsel. So she was bound to the gate of the burg, and horses were driven at her to trample her down. But when she opened her eyes wide, the horses durst not trample her. So then Bicky beheld that he bade draw a bag over her head, and they did so, and therewith she lost her life. Chapter 42 Gudrun Sends Her Sons to Avenge Svanhild Now Gudrun heard of the slaying of Svanhild, and spake to her sons, Why sit ye here in peace amid merry words, when as Jormenrek hath slain your sister, and trodden her under the foot of horses in shameful wise? No heart ye have in like to Gunnar or Hogni. Verily, they would have avenged thy kinswoman. Hamdir answered, Little didst thou praise Gunnar and Hogni when they slew Sigurd, and thou wert reddened in the blood of him. And ill were they, brethren, avenged by the slaying of thine own sons. Yet not so ill a deed were it for us to slay King Jormenrek. So hard thou pushest us unto this, that we may not abide thy hard words. Gudrun went about laughing now, and gave them to drink from mighty beakers, and thereafter she got them bairnies and good, and all the weed of war. Then spake Hamdir, Lo now, this is our last parting, for thou shalt hear tidings of us, and drink one grave ale over us and over Swanhild. And so therewith they went their ways, but Gudrun went unto her bower, and with heart swollen with sorrow, and spake. To three men I was wedded, and first to Sigurd Fafnir'sbane, and he was berayed and slain, and of all griefs that was the greatest grief. Then I was given to King Otley, and so fell was my heart toward him, that I slew in the fury of my grief his children and mine. Then gave I myself to the sea, but the billows thereof cast me out to land, and to this king then was I given. Then I gave Svanhild away, out of this land with mighty wealth, and lo, my next greatest sorrow after Sigurd, for under horses' feet was she trodden and slain. But the grimmest and ugliest of woes was the casting of Gunnar into the worm clothes, and the hardest was the cutting of Hogni's heart from him. Ah, better would it be if Sigurd came to meet me, and I went my ways with him, for here biddeth now behind me neither son nor daughter to comfort me. O oh, mindest thou not, Sigurd, the words we spoke when we went to one bed together, that thou wouldst come and look on me? Yea, even from thine abiding place among the dead. And thus the words of her sorrow an end. Chapter 43 The Latter End of All the Kin of the Gukings Now telleth the tale concerning the sons of Gudrun, that she had arrayed their war raiment in such wise, that no steel would bite thereon, and she bade them play not with stones or other heavy matters, for that would be to their scathe that they did so. And now as they went on their way, they met Earp their brother, and asked him in what wise he would help them. He answered, Even as hand helps hand, or foot helps foot. But that they deemed not at all, 
and they slew him there and then. Then they went their ways, nor was it long, or even Hamdir stumbled, and thrust down his hand to steady him, and spake therewith. Not but a true thing, spake Erp, for now I have fallen, had not my hand been steady to me. But little after, sorely stumbled, but turned about on his feet and stood and spake. Yea, now I had fallen, but I steadied myself with both feet, and they said they had done evilly with Erp their brother. But on they fared, till they came to the boat of King Jormanrek, and they went up to him, and set on him forthwith. And Hamdir cut both hands from him, and sorely both feet. Then spake Hamdir, Off were the head if Erp were alive, our brother, whom we slew on the way, and found out our deed too late. Even as the song says, Off were the head if Erp were alive yet, our brother the bold, whom we slew by the way, well famed in warfare. Now in this must they turn away from the words of their mother, when as they had to deal with stones. For now men fell on them, and they defended themselves in good and manly wise, and were the scathe of many a man, nor would iron bite in them. But there came thereto a certain man, old of aspect, and one-eyed, and he spake, No wise men are ye, when as ye cannot bring these men to their end. Then the king said, Give us read thereto if thou canst. He said, Smite them to death with stones. And in such wise was it done, for the stones flew thick and fast from every side, and that was the end of their days. And now has come to an end the whole root and stem of the Dukings. Now may all earls be bettered in mind, may the grief of all maidens ever be minished, for this tale of trouble so told to its ending. And that is chapters 35 through 43 of the Vasonga Saga from Norse Mythology. Thank you for listening to our story. If you enjoyed it, we recommend taking a look at our Patreon page, as noted in the description below. You can earn great rewards while also supporting us to keep these stories alive for generations to come. Also remember to subscribe to us on your podcast app, and to leave us a five-star rating if you enjoyed this story. A special thank you to Kat for their support this month. Without your contribution, we would not be able to continue these stories, and we truly appreciate it. Visit thescaldcircle.com to stay up to date with all of our current events, news, and much more. Not only that, but you can also visit our story archive of every tale we have ever told. It's sorted by origin and region for the convenience of your listening. Thank you for listening to our story. Don't forget, this episode is sponsored by Audible the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks. While this story is over, you can visit audibletrial.com slash thescaldcircle to begin your trial and download your free audiobook today. Let us know what you've listened to recently on Audible via our Facebook page. We're always looking for new recommendations.